Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 3. This is lesson number three of Part 3, and we will continue here our examination of Paul's description in Romans 6 of the delivered life. So I will begin reading at Romans chapter 6 and verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he dieth, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, likewise reckon also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive un- unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Amplified Version reads this way. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also sh- we shall also live with him. Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relations to it once for all, And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Over the years as I've studied Romans 6, I've read this stuff and I've gone, well, this really, really sounds good and I I would really like to live like that, but... I don't know. I don't know how to do that. In other words, like Paul said in the next chapter, Romans 7, to will is present with me, but how to do that which I will, I, I find not. And that's that part of that process. Now, we have to repent our sins and die to our old lives uh, and be buried with him and resurrected with him to be saved, to be put in a position where we are now able, if we continue to walk in that, to be saved. But the Lord lets us trust ourselves if we want to, if we persist, if our will says that. And we walk in that and we fail and fail and fail to bring us to the end of ourselves. As long as I have not come to the end of myself, my motives are very likely going to be tainted. I may have periods of times where I have pure motive. But but impure motives, Jesus said, are like leaven. It doesn't take a little bit, and it can be buried and hidden in there. But given the right temperature <coughs> or the right conditions, all of a sudden it causes the entire loaf to pump puff up. So that that leaven of un, uh, 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 unrighteous motives or un, impure motives, pl- motives that are not pleasing to God, It may be small at this moment. It may be hidden at this moment. But in the right conditions, it can be triggered and it will cause our beings to be puffed up. So we have to go through this process so that we reach the place that in God, in God, we, by the grace of God, can be crucified with Christ. It is the will of God for us to be crucified with Christ so that we're dead to ourselves and he's living in us. 
Now, we've begun in the Spirit, but way too many of us, and I'm going to say that kindly because essentially it's all of us, our flesh takes over somewhere in there, and we began to try to be right by doing right. That's what was preached to me growing up in the church, that you to be right, you got to do right. Well, that's not biblical. I don't do right to be righteous. I receive righteousness by faith as a gift from God in obedience to him, and he gives me that righteousness, and then that righteousness produces right deeds. So that if I'm doing the deeds to be righteous, I get the glory for that righteousness, but the Bible calls that self-righteousness. But if his righteousness working in me does the deeds, then he's the power behind the deeds and he gets the glory because that's his righteousness. And that's not semantics. Sorry, it's not semantics. It's not even just a little bit of different. It's not splitting hairs. It is as different as the two rims of the Grand Canyon. They look close, but they're not. A very healthy person who is going to hike by the shortest route from one rim of the Grand Canyon in its main portion to the other, it would take a day or two for, for the average person to do that. To drive around from one point where the the, the uh, main viewing area on the south rim of the Grand Canyon around to the, 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 the corresponding point on the north rim of the Grand Canyon is about a five to six hour drive in most situations. So these two things I'm talking about here, they're not remotely the same thing. The problem is in our lack of understanding, not because that we're not talking about intelligence, we just haven't study the word or, or, or invested time with God so he can talk to us and teach us these things, we, we think they're the same. We think it should be okay with God, but it's not okay with God. It's not okay with God. Now, the uh, Weiss Expanded Translation in those verses reads this way. Now, in view of the fact that we died once for all with Christ, we believe that we shall also live by means of him. <laughs> There's no other way to live. If he doesn't live in and through us, we don't really have life. Knowing that Christ, having been raised up from among those who are dead, no longer dies, death over him no longer exercises lordship. For the death, for the death he died, he died with respect to our sinful nature once for all. But the life he lives, he lives with respect to God. Thus also, as for you and me, you be constantly counting upon that the, the fact that, on the one hand, you are those who have been separated uh, from the sinful nature, and on the other hand, that you are living ones with respect to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, I have in previous lessons talked about what it means to be spiritual, and according to several Greek uh, references, especially Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word translated spiritual in the New Testament means to be both filled with the Spirit and governed by the Spirit. So here's this is what we says, uh, the way he's translated, that we not only have been separated from the sinful nature, but we are, are living in respect to God. Repentance is not just turning away from sin, it's turning unto God. Holiness is not just being against something, it's i got to be for some things. 
it's not just being separated from, it's being separated apart unto. So if my separation is not an evidence of me turning to God and growing in my relationship with God in his love, his mercy, his grace, his power, his word, whatever, then I don't have holiness. I just have an external asceticism where I'm denying my flesh so that I can feel good about myself. The easy-to-read version of these verses says this, If we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. Christ was raised from the dead, and we know that he cannot die again. Death hath no more, has no more power over him. Yes, when Christ died, he died to defeat the power of sin one time. Enough for all time. One time was enough. He now has a new life, and his new life is with God. In the same way, you, you and I, should see ourselves as being dead to the power of sin and alive for God through Christ Jesus. That this is what we've got. This is the goal here. We don't want to just no longer see. We don't want to just be freed from sin. He didn't free us so that we can now live by our own goodwill, our own self-sufficient will. No. He set us free so that we could be his. (laughs) We are redeemed. We are set free from sin. We're set free from sin. But we are not set free from sin so we can go our merry way. We are not our own. We have been bought with a Christ, with a price, which is Christ. We have been redeemed out of sin to belong to Christ. We have not been set free from our past and set free from sin so that we are now, we've been given a better life for us to live. No. I've read the verses before. I'll use them again, I'm sure. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. For we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And in that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live under, uh, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He did not die for us so we could have a better life. He did not die for us so that we would not uh, ever make any more mistakes. He did not die for us so that we could now be better people. He died for us so that he could purchase us from sin so that we could belong to him. And it is that problem, it is that problem where people run into their problems in their walk with God. Because they're saved. Oh, I've been, my sins are gone. I feel so good. I've baptized people after they receive the Holy Ghost or whatever. They've repented and received the Holy Ghost. I feel so clean inside. And we do. But we haven't been resurrected to go live according to our way. We have not been redeemed to be free. We've been redeemed to be his. We don't belong to us. 
and this is such a non, uh, this is such a major point that's not understood by so many Christians. You didn't become a Christian just so you could have a better life. That's not why he died on the cross, to give you a better life. He said the last words of Jesus before he prayed in John 17 and then went out and prayed to the guests, prayed with them. And then in John 18, he went out and prayed for himself. And then they took him and they crucified him. The last words of Jesus, John 16, 25, I think it is. These things have I spoken unto me, unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. He didn't die to make this heaven for you. He didn't die to make this heaven for me. This is not heaven. And you can't get, you and I can't get spiritual enough to, to, uh, where he feels obligated to make this heaven. This is not heaven. This is temporary. This is a training place, an equipping place, a growing place, a knowing place to prepare us for what he's got for us in the hereafter. What good is this? Oh, I've had people, well, what good is all of this? If, if he's not going to make my life better, oh, your life will be better in here. I know a lot of situations where people got saved and their circumstances got worse, not better. But they got better in here. They had righteousness, peace, and joy. They had the love of God in here. This is a total lie from the pits of hell that God did all of this to make us better people and to give us a better life. Oh, it's better all right, but not like we think. And we're better people all right, but not like we think. Because when we think of being made a better person, meaning we feel better about ourselves and we expect other people to like us or approve of us more. And we uh, we not only feel better about ourselves, but now we are uh, given a better life. Things, all of our problems are going away and all of a sudden life is just wonderful. Where is that in the Bible? In the Bible, where is that? There's way too many people that believe what they think the Bible says rather than knowing what it says. Jesus said, they hated me and I'm your master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. Is that your better life? No. Blessed are you when all men revile you and hate you and say all men are of evil against you for righteousness' sake. Blessed, that word in the Greek means happy, to be envied. But that's not the blessings we're looking for. We're looking for blessings so we can buy a better car, live in a better house, buy better, have better clothes, go to be, on better vacations, better, better, better is all. Better for us is all temporal because that's what we see. We don't see the eternal. So let me move on. <laughs> Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let us not there, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. 
Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. The Amplified says it this way, Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies. <laughs> oh, the translators of the Amplified got to the point there, didn't they? Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. Do not continue offering and yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. So don't continue minding the flesh and being drawn away by the lust of the flesh and satisfying the lust of the flesh and of the mind. You've been set free from that by the death of the cross and, and, and by the resurrection of Christ, which, which we participated in by the new birth. Don't continue to walk in what it is you've been set free from. But yield yourselves. Don't yield yourselves to sin. Yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness, of his righteousness. There it is, my friend, right there. I am saved from being a slave to sin so that I can become a servant of God. Oh, I'm a son of God, but sons are servants until the kingdom comes. And the kingdom's coming. It's called the millennial kingdom. And all during this time, I am sons, but I'm a servant. I'm not ruling and reigning with him now except in spiritual things. But then, with him sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem, he's going to rule the world for a thousand years, and we're going to rule and reign with him. We're not going to serve him. We're going to rule and reign with him. And when I say we don't, we're not going to serve them, we're going to be partakers with him. We're going to be one with him, ruling and reigning with him. Kings and priests, the scripture says, that we've been made. So what is this time? This is a life of service, even though we're sons. Because the word of God is producing death in our flesh so that we can have life in our spirit. Because the word of God reveals our actions as sin so that we can be brought to a place of death to them, dying daily, so that we can walk in the life of the spirit. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you since now ye are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. We're not slaves anymore, but we are God's subjects. This is where way too many backslide. They want to come out of what they're in. They want to be freed. They don't want to be slaves to sin anymore. And though, and we are 
sinners are slaves to sin. Well, I don't want to give God control. Oh, so like you've got control? The biggest lie there is, is that we're in control. You're in control? That's stuff you really like doing. Prove you're not in under its control. Stop. Stop. Don't do it for a week, a month, a year. Prove that you're not under its control. Just stop doing it. <laughs> Let me tell you from experience. You can't. Oh, it may look like you succeed for a short amount of time while flesh is humoring us, but all of a sudden that old sinful nature rises up because it wants to be satisfied. And the fuel of the flesh is pleasure. Pleasure on the tongue, pleasure in the ears, pleasure in the eyes, pleasure in the smell, pleasure in the touch. The fuel of flesh is pleasure. And when the flesh is not being given its kind of pleasure, it wants to take back over and say, wait a minute here. You forgot who I am. I'm the boss here. No, by the, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, I've been set free from that boss. But I've been set free from that boss so I can serve a good master, the one who wants the best for me, the one who sets me free from the tyranny of the flesh so that I can live according to the liberty of the spirit. The question is, am I walking in that? And summarizing now with the easier read version, but don't let sin control your life here on earth or the sinful nature of your flesh. You must not be ruled by the things of your sinful self. You must not be ruled by the things your sinful self makes you want to do. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin. Don't use your bodies to do evil. But offer yourselves to God as people who have died and now live. Offer the parts of your body to God to be used for doing good. Sin will not be your master because you're not under the law. You now live under God's grace. And I'm adding, as his subject. As his subject. My friend, you and I have such a great opportunity. We have such a great opportunity. We have such a great privilege. A great privilege. An opportunity to truly walk with God, but for the life that now we're living in the flesh to be the life of Christ lived in and through us, and no longer living in just our limited faith, and our faith is always limited compared to God's faith in himself, but then becoming conduits for God's faith to be lived out through us. We will talk about these principles many times, and we will also look in these principles much, much in a much more detailed way so that you and I can receive that. I, I pray in Jesus' name that you and I, by the grace of God, will have our eyes open so that we can see what it is that God's doing for us, to us, through us what he's willing to do, not only in setting us free from the tyranny of our sinful natures, but 
bringing us under the subject under subjection to the love of God, the mercy of God that's new every morning, the peace of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the power and the authority of God, the plan and purpose of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may it be so in your life and in mine. Amen.